Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Jim Vermilia, and I have the privilege of serving in our global engagement office here at Indiana Wesleyan University, uh, where we facilitate education abroad programs, support international student initiatives, and provide intercultural student services and academic development here on the residential campus. And I have the privilege this morning of introducing to you the most recent addition to our office team and to the IW community. Dr. Lena Crusoe joined our team this past January and serves as Associate Professor and Associate Director of Intercultural Student Services and Academic Development. In this administrative faculty position, she's involved in creating and implementing a vision of cultural responsiveness on the residential campus, advising and counseling students and offering curricular support to faculty all within an intercultural context, both in the classroom and outside. Dr. Crusoe stands on a foundation that's distinctly cross-cultural, bringing understanding of diversity, equity, and justice to students, faculty, and staff. She brings her own life experiences as well as the daughter of Indian immigrants. She lived in her heritage country as a child, giving her a vested interest in the implications of religious change and economic issues in the country of India. Dr. Crusoe has previously served as a faculty member at Point Loma Nazarene University, Mount Vernon Nazarene University, and most recently, Korea Nazarene University. She brings to our campus scholarly expertise in the fields of education and educational psychology, Christian counseling, pastoral theology, and intercultural studies. She's currently completing her second doctorate in transformational leadership, and her dissertation topic is on cultural transformation of global communities. Lena and her husband, Kendall, are the parents of three daughters, Kayla, Chloe, and Addie. Kayla, a recent graduate of Indiana Wesleyan. Their family moved to Marion over Christmas break, and we're delighted that they are now part of our IWU community. And above all those things I just said about her, she's an all-around wonderful woman that I've gotten to know the last couple of months that she's been with us. She loves God, she loves people, and I think you're going to love her. Would you help me welcome to the stage Dr. Lena Crusoe? Can I get comfortable? You don't mind, do you? Anybody mind? Can we talk? I got my favorite things with me, my favorite chair from my table, my coffee cup. So we're gonna chat a little bit. Is that good? Are you there? Am I sitting at the table alone? Namaste. My traditional Indian greeting that I shared in my home for many, many years, as my parents only spoke Hindi in the home. So love revolution. Wow, it's been an incredible week. It's been a powerful week. I want to say awesome, but then we say that so much. But then I keep saying that word. Because it has been an awesome week. You know, it's Friday, and we say the week ends, and we go into our weekend. Does the revolution stop? What sustains that passion? What keeps it going? As a follower of many gods for many, many years as a Hindu, and then coming into the one true relationship with the one true God. 
the love of God is sustainable. It doesn't rest on an altar. He's not still on the cross. He's alive and living in his followers. His passion is written on your heart. Your story is the sustaining love. And God isn't concerned so much where you are as he's writing that story. He's most concerned about, are you letting him write on your heart the story of the one true God? Tell me the story of Jesus. Some of you know that great old hymn. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Our stories carry the passion of God. That's how we sustain the revolution. Revolution always leads to transformation. Otherwise, it's not a revolution. It's just a protest because we just got hot and bothered about something. But a revolution transforms. It changes. It goes forth. So, can I tell you my story today? Will you sit at the table with me? This chair represents something very symbolic in our family. It symbolizes conversations that we've had around our table with our daughters who have asked us hard questions like, you always talk about marrying a Christian, but you and dad didn't think about that. Questions like, how did you go from worshiping many gods, mom, to finding the one true God? Dad, you were raised in the church, and how come you never, ever had a relationship with Jesus Christ? Those are hard questions. And then our table expands, and we bring people in who are not yet followers of Christ and we sit at the table again, and we ask hard questions. Have you denounced your heritage, Lena? I mean, after all, Christianity is a Western religion. Do you still follow your traditions? Lots of conversations. And this chair represents part of those conversations that we've had. So I brought some pictures for you. And I'd like you to come into my story for just a little while this morning. Can I tell you about how I found freedom? I found freedom. Did you listen to the songs we were singing? Did you hear the worship that we were bringing about the freedom of Christ? I weep every time I even think about proclaiming Christ. 
to say the name of Jesus is so sacred and beautiful to me because I wasn't ever permitted to speak his name in our home. Oh, as a casual reflection to how he is also like our prophet Gandhi that we respect and admire in the Indian culture. He is of that same tradition, Lena, I was told. But he has no purpose in our lives. We don't proclaim anything about him. So don't speak about him. My journey to freedom from Hinduism to Christ. I want to share this passage with you because it declares the freedom that I found. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth. You will know the truth. And what? The truth will what? Set you free. See, my life was always in chains. My being, my heart, my mind was always bound up in pain, abuse, identity crisis, fear, and lack of love. But this is an important scripture because what Jesus is offering in this, and if you look at the full context of it, and I wish we could unpack it fully today, right now, but I want to give you something really important. You see, what Jesus was speaking about was not the freedom of a political leader that they were looking for during that time, a political leader to free them. No, it wasn't about an intellectual freedom. It wasn't about a geographical freedom. It was about the salvation freedom of Christ. The salvation freedom that he was offering, that you can be free from everything that binds you up. Everything that separated you from God is now removed. And the participation with God is realized. This is the freedom that the one true God brought to me. India. My country of origin. The place that I called home for 12 years of my life. My parents immigrated from India in 1960. They came with my sister, who was six months old, a small trunk, as they called it then, not suitcase or luggage or baggage. Or... And they traveled on a ship in steerage class, the lowest level that you could travel in. And they came to the United States now, in the early 60s, there was something going on in the United States, and it was called the space race. Everybody was trying to get to the moon. 
And so the United States was scourging all over the world looking for great minds, great thinkers, great engineers, great mathematicians. And my dad got in on this amazing scholarship to study at the university, Rice University in Texas. And so here he was coming to the United States with this woman that he had an arranged marriage with and this little baby. The caste system in India. By some odd design, my dad, who was from a lower caste, actually was given permission to marry my mom, who was of a higher caste. Her family said, we will give you to this man's family because he is a learned man. So here they were, traveling the United States of America with a baby and a hope. Who's that? That's me. <laughs> That's little Lena. Actually, my Indian given name is Smriti. Smriti means memory. I was born in the United States after my parents came here. And very soon after, my brother was born. And then we moved back to India. But this was very typical. My mom would dress us up in the native clothing, and she loved to instill in us our heritage and our traditions, even when we lived in America. I don't remember ever eating any American food. I don't ever remember even hearing English except outside the home. We spoke Hindi. We had a puja room in our home. The puja room is the sacred room where you can worship God or the many gods that you'd like. So I learned from a very young age to have small statues in front of me where I would bow to the respective statues that represented what I wanted, what my family wanted, whether it was wisdom, prosperity, health, and of the thousands of gods I could choose from. This was my life. My father was a man who struggled in life. His mother died in childbirth, and he was passed around. He was abused himself. And those of you that understand the cycle of abuse, you either replicate it or it stops. Sadly, with a lot of challenges in my father's life, challenges of trying to assimilate and adapt in the United States, he struggled so. There were gender bias issues, hierarchical issues, confusion of the West and the East. And so my mother and sister and I experienced physical and verbal abuse from a man who himself had never healed. When we moved back to India, it was a painful time of confusion and rebellion for me. I did not understand who I was. I spent my formative years in India. And then 
My father moved us all back to the United States. More confusion, wondering where do I belong? How does East meet West? Who am I really? But God, the one true God was at work. The divine intersections that he was writing on my life and in my story was happening. You see that prevenient grace, that grace that comes before we even can identify it or take it in was coming towards me. The one true God was coming for me. He was coming to get me and rescue me and make me his own. Who's that? Who's that little white baby? <laughs> That's my amazing, precious husband, Kendall. We've been married 32 years this past year. He hates when I do this to him. He's glad that he's not here. <laughs> Kendall Crusoe, he was born of a family with strong roots in the rural tradition in Ohio. He grew up on a farm, one of six children. He grew up in a town of 2,000 people in the Midwest. He never even imagined that he would get out of Coshocton County. And yet there was something going on in him that he can never explain. He wanted to see the world. He told his parents when he graduated from high school he wanted to go into the Peace Corps. They said, I don't think so. There are good jobs here. You can get a job at one of the local factories here. It'll be good. But he was restless. He'd gone to church. It did not impact him. He did the right things. He acted the right way. He was a good boy from a good family in Coshocton County. But something was missing. He ended up going to a community college just south of his little town, which led him then on to a four-year degree at Ohio University. Athens, Ohio is where my dad returned so he could be a math professor, and that's where I ended up, Smriti Lena Shankar. Well, by this time in my life, I was rebelling against all religious things. I decided that I was my own ruler, and I would do what I wanted. I started running with the international students, my best buddies. I know there's some of you out there, even now. And lo and behold, here was this white farm boy, rural guy. He was hanging out with the international student. Now, if you don't think that's kind of a culture shock picture, I don't know what is. But God intersected our lives. Three months before he graduated, we were in a whirlwind relationship. It was love at first sight, and I had to convince him of that. <laughs> you know how that goes. We got married. That was a challenge in itself, and I don't have time to share with you that part of the story of East meets West. Hindu meets Protestant. All these labels. <laughs> we thought we were so cool. We had a Protestant ceremony and a Hindu ceremony, of which neither of us were even good at either of those. We weren't cons good Protestants or good Hindu. But we thought we were so cool. So we did the Indian ceremony where we 
put the garland around each other. He followed me around the flame, tied a scarf between us. We said the vows of the good Protestant marriage vows. It was all just ritual. This is on our wedding day. Just to give you a perspective of how many years have passed, his head is all silver now, literally. I can't wait for you to meet this amazing man. I, of course, look exactly the same. <laughs> it's nice of you to laugh. <laughs> but because of Jesus, the preceding grace that was coming towards me, but he used my husband. When my husband was at the community college, a young man sat with him. They were studying mechanical design, and they would draw for hours together. This young man would talk to my husband about Jesus. Did you hear what I said, my friends? He talked to him about Jesus. He told him stories of his own life. And my husband began to take this in, and seeds were planted. But at the point of decision, my husband counted the cost, and he said, ah, I'm heading to college now, four-year school, and it's Athens, Ohio, it's OU, and I'm going to have some fun. No. He took the information, though, that this young man gave him because he had invited him to connect with the network of Christians. So my husband, in his kindness, just said, sure, I'll take that information. We got married, we moved to Florida, and my husband took that information with him. Do you see how this story is unfolding? He put that in a drawer, and that thing sat there for seven years. God was working on my husband. Our marriage began well, but it took some turns and bumps in the road. We were told that we could never have children. I struggled through that. I began to alienate myself from my husband. I began to distance myself from him. I began to run around with my teacher friends. At this point, I was a teacher in the public school. We would have our fun party times, and my husband would have his fun party times with the engineering group that he ran with. And we were building a wall and a separation. As the grace of God was working on my husband, he began to realize that there had to be more. He was compelled by the Spirit one day to go find Jesus. In the language of our Christian heritage, we were going to go find Jesus. So he went to where they were meeting, this network of Christians. He got there, and it was at a place called the Deland, Florida Women's Club. No one was there. It was pitch dark, not a soul around. But this was seven years later. They probably moved their meeting location. Sadly, my husband sat with total despair and wept. out of a sense of loss that he had missed 
something. You see, even at that point, my husband couldn't even grasp that right then and there, Jesus was available to him. The inclusive God. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he got in his car and he drove out. And on his way out, he saw on the side of a building that he had passed many, many times, he saw a Christian coffee house, all welcome. He never noticed it before. He jumped out of the car, parked it first, jumped out of the car, ran downstairs. There were about 20 people in there praising God, worshiping. He pushed open the door. It'd be like if somebody walked into chapel right now and came in towards us and we turned to this human being and said, can we help you? And my husband said to this guy that said that to him, I came to find Jesus. And those 25 people went crazy. They were so amazed that somebody would walk in and say that. What would we do if someone even in the area you're sitting said, I want to know Jesus. And that day, he received the God of his salvation. He came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that night, he heard one thing from God, and that was, you have a mission field now, and her name is Lena. My husband was changed and transformed that day. He was a new man. The truth of Christ it is that he changes people. Three months later, this little girl who worshipped many gods found herself in a church. I don't remember the message. It was the first time I was ever in a church. My husband was sitting next to me. He held my hand. He could sense something was going on in my spirit. And he whispered in my ear, you want to know Jesus, don't you? And I shook my head like this with tears streaming down my face. And he said, now is the day of your salvation. And that very day, I accepted that God, the one true God that had been finding me and pursuing me and chasing after me for years. He came to me and I accepted Jesus Christ that day. The bondage, the oppression, the fear, the insecurities, they all fell off. Now I do want to confess to you today that I needed a lot of discipleship. I had a lot of issues. <laughs> but God found me and rescued me. That's the one true God. I don't say I chose Jesus. I don't say he's the God I chose. Because you see, I lived that. I had many gods to choose from. He is the God of my salvation. Why do I share this with you this morning as we close? So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. In 2005, God visited me in a wilderness experience. 
And he changed the way I look at diversity, equity, and justice. He changed the way I look at how we interact with humanity. And he said, Lena, do you not know and understand that when you were a little girl at five years old worshiping many gods, I, the one true God, was in that room with you. I was in the puja room too. I wasn't on the outside waiting for you to get it right. I was with you, pursuing you all along. You see, he is an inclusive God. Would you have hated me as a Hindu? Would you have told me you don't belong? Or would you have shared your story with me and drawn me in to the presence of the one true God? You see, we don't just say we go to dark places. God's already at work. Can we join him there? Can we join him there? God's at work already in the people of India. Can we join him there? God has taken me full circle. I want to share these pictures with you. These are my, our precious daughters. My husband hates it. I always say my. <laughs> Kayla is the one that graduated from IWU. She's the one making the funny little face there, kind of pointing, Kayla Crusoe. Chloe, and then our youngest, Addie. These are the precious miracles that God blessed us with. And that whole story of not having children to this, that's another one. This is my Kayla. She's off to the, the places in India. This is my Chloe. She's at APU. She's studying film and screenwriting, and she plans to tell stories in film. This is our Addie Rose, and she'll be hanging out here in Marion with us for a while, and I hope that she can just come and enjoy the IWU community. And here we are in South Korea, January 1st, last year. We were all getting ready to go in different directions. But there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you, Maya Angelou. I close on only this. Tell your story, my friends. Tell your story. And if you're not sure what your story is, come talk to me. <laughs>